Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for Wednesday, October 25th, 2023. My name is Sean Tierney from Insights and Automation, and this is the show where I take a look at what's new and happening in industrial automation. I hope your day is off to a great start. And as I do each morning, I like to look over here, make sure the video is working okay, the audio is working okay, and uh, let you know the chat is, if you're watching us live here at 7.33 in the morning, um, the chat is live, so feel free to say hi and chime in. Um, if I'm going through the show and you ask a really technical question, I won't stop and read it because uh, we get a show to produce. But with that, I do want to uh, ask that if you enjoy these daily news updates, you know, 15 to 25 minute news updates, then please give us a like, a share, and a sub. It really helps us grow the audience and find new vendors to cover and to come on our shows. So with that, I also want to thank today's sponsor who made this episode ad-free. It is Siemens, and you can see I'm highlighting their brand new IPC uh, uh, PC, their tablet IPC, the MD34A. I'm hoping to unbox this today and start filming the unboxing and testing it out with PLC programming software, and so I'm looking forward to that. But if you do see anybody from Siemens, please thank them for sponsoring the Automation Morning Show. And with that, we go to our first news story. This is actually a press release from Siemens talking about how they're working with Plastic Fisher um, to help them automate their system. So you can see here, this organization started out, I think they started out in Vietnam actually, cleaning up rivers, trying to get all the junk out of the rivers. And now they're worldwide. And uh, they have this facility where they bring all the junk back to and they try to sort it and, you know, and, uh, you know, wherever it can be recycled, gets recycled, whatever's biodegradable goes to a different place. And so they partner with Siemens to automate that facility and, um, and other things in the future. So I thought it was very interesting. Of course, this does not look very automated, but it's good that people are volunteering to clean up their, to clean up their uh, neighborhoods and environment, which is always good. And someday we will have everything we, we, we use will be biodegradable, I'm sure as far as consumer products anyways, you know, coffee cups and, and wrappers and whatnot. So from there we go to a press release from Rockwell Automation. And this is talking about what's new in services systems and solutions at Automation Fair this year. And uh, man, it's coming up quick. Um, so in any case, uh, in this list, there was a lot of information about cybersecurity, right? OT cybersecurity risk assessments and on-site testing and threat detection services. And of course, yesterday we heard about Rockwell purchasing Verve. So a lot of the big vendors are offering these services and I think it's a great trend. They also talk about their inventory programs, their repair programs, and the one that caught my eye, I don't know if I'm in one of these sessions, the sessions filled up really quick, but Plant Packs 5.3. So if you are going to Automation Fair in Boston, please, uh, uh, if you see me, um, I'll either be wearing a blue shirt or a red shirt um, with the automation blog on the back, um, right, right uh, behind the collar. So if you see me, feel free. Let's get a selfie together. I love meeting folks who watch the show and get hear what's happening in your lives. So from there, we'll go over to uh, a, um, yeah, this is a press release from Yokogawa. And this is about them joining um, the Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures Program, CVE. So you've probably seen when you get a notice, hey, there's a vulnerability in your product, you've probably seen like a CVE number on that. That's what we're talking about here. So Yokogawa is now joining that this program so that if they find a vulnerability when they uh, announce it out to their customers, they can have that CVE number and it has a central repository for all those type of notices and so on. 
So uh, a good move. Hopefully um, all uh, big companies will join that program. Uh, from there, we go over to a press release from Red Lion. I thought this was very interesting. We've talked about uh, their Flex Edge products in the past. We, I'd love to get them on the show. We just had Barry on the show talking about the Rack 10C uh, or RA10C. And uh, I'd love to get them back on or one of their experts on to talk about Flex Edge. But we've also had them on to talk about uh, their Entron switches as well. But in any case, what this announcement talks about is Red Lion's entire Flex Edge line of like switches and uh, IoT platform and um, VPNs and whatnot has been certified by the, um, where is it here? The ABS, which stands for the American Bureau of Shipping. So this means, you know, on, um, you know, ships and on trucks that uh, they are now uh, qualified and certified to be deployed on those. And uh, very, very cool uh, certification. So congratulations to Redline on that. And from there, we go over to our featured product. Today, we're featuring the Compact Logics uh, Basics Extended Edition, Level 1 and 2 course over at theautomationschool.com. Um, been working on um, trying to uh, fill in some of the gaps in our hardware. So um, we did pick up an L20. That's like, we have an L30, but the L20, and we get this really inexpensive. That's like the L30 and L20 were the first two Compact Logics, and they were not very uh, widely adopted because they only had serial. So very slow to flash and very slow to download to. But in any case, they were the first, so we picked up one of those. We also picked up a uh, an L2. So we had an L1 and an L3. We did pick up an L2 at a good price. And uh, we we did um, find an L4. Now, that wasn't... We paid a little bit more than we wanted to on that, but it has two Ethernet cards, so we're looking forward to including that in the course. The L4 is kind of this odd duck amongst the uh, Compact Logics family. Um, we're also uh, bidding on an L3. So I'd love to get a ControlNet version. I don't know if that'll happen, but we are bidding on an L35e, and there's some L32s out there as well. So that should fill up the line. I also previously told you we picked up a 5069 Ethernet adapter, so we'd be able to do distributed I/O with 5069. Have not found any affordable uh, analog cards for 5069, so we'll probably stay with the 1769 analog cards to start, anyways. And um, you know they don't sample products, so. Um, we're just waiting for, uh, you know, newer products are tough for us to get at an affordable prices. And we definitely want to keep these courses affordable. And uh, you can start uh, the compact. Actually, this one's still on sale for $149. Now, this is one of our lifetime courses. You buy it once, you own it forever. You're also automatically enrolled in the next course, the 23-24 course that I'm working on and trying to get all these parts for. So, and plus it comes with support too. So, I've been using Compact Logic since the day it came out. So, be there to support you as well. So with that, we go back to the news here to the press portal over at IFM, and uh, they announced um, a new edition of their Ecomat display. Now this is more than just like a panel meter with a with a, a, a you know a TFT display. This is actually a full blown HMI with a, a Code Sys engine 3.5 in it, so it can be your PLC, it can be your HMI, and do all that great stuff. Now um, there is a press release with that. When I click on it, though, I get this error, so I actually download and read some of it. And, uh, but it looks very interesting. So um, if you want to know more about the, not this brand new small one that just came out, but the previous models, I did cover in season two of the automation show, excuse me, <coughs> uh, episode two of season two of the automation show. And I went through um, unboxing it. We set it up. We actually uh, added the IO into it. Didn't get into a lot of programming because 
It was a very long, a long episode to produce, but we did do everything, added the I.O. and everything, got the Ethernet I.O. work, and we have some, um, some uh, Ethernet I.O. that was sampled to us from IFM. So we do all of that in the, uh, in this episode. Also, we had the CodeSys folks on last year. Love, love to get them back on, but we had uh, actually CodeSys North America on to take us through what their product is. So if you've never used CodeSys, you want to know more about it, check out that. That's episode P91 of the podcast. From there, we go over to a press release from, or product news from Mitsubishi. And this is about their new PowerGate E. E stands for economy, and this is a standard bypass solution for commercial commercial HVAC applications. And so they also have another version, it's called the PowerGate H, that's already on the market, that's more of their high-end feature-rich version. But this is the economic version, and this actually has the uh, FRF800 VFD in it. And, you know, I didn't pull it up, but I just remembered we had back on episode... I think it was 50, 51, 52, we'd had Mitsubishi on to talk about all their VFDs as well. So that would be in the P, I think it was P50 or P49, somewhere around there. But in any case, uh, very interesting, especially if you are doing anything with VFDs in uh, HVAC systems. So from there, we go over to a product, new product from Banner. They're highlighting their WLR95 compact area light today. This is a uh, rugged model, and it's also very uh, uh, small, right? So you can see all the LEDs if you're watching. You can see all the LEDs in there. So you get lots of light in a very small package, and it's rated for IP67 and 68. So if you're struggling with either in-panel or in-machine lighting, and, you know, just the uh, standard uh, types of lighting aren't working for you, check this out. This is the WLR95 from Banner. And from there, we go over to an article. Now, this was actually, uh, I was led here by a press release, I believe, on ABB's website. But this article was much better. And then what this is, it's an article about the case for industrial energy efficiency. Okay. Now, a lot of people say, you know, we got to reduce the carbon, we got to get to uh, net zero. And so that's why we have to be energy efficient. And I understand that thinking. But let's say tomorrow we had uh, 100% clean, renewable energy. We still would want to be energy efficient. Why would you want to waste? Just like you never want to pollute, you never want to waste, right? And the more energy efficient products are, typically they last longer and they run cooler and so on. So there's all kinds of benefits. It's not just about the, the net zero and, you know, uh, carbonization. It's just about, you know, being wise with your money, right? If you had, if you were looking at two cars and one, one you know, got a, let's say you're looking at two EVs and one could do 600 miles and one could do 300 miles and they were the same price, which one would you choose, right? The more efficient one. So in any case, assuming all of the other, all the other settings were and, and, and specs were the same. But the, in this article, they did have 10 key energy efficiency actions for industrial leaders. And I thought this was good. I wanted to go through these with you just briefly. And uh, you guys can uh, read the entire uh, article. I'll have the link at automate.news. But number one is doing an energy audit. These have been around forever. And they're always a good idea. As a matter of fact, a lot of times uh, companies uh, like ESCOs will do them for free. And a lot of the things you can do will be paid with rebates from the electric company, right? Like new lighting and whatnot. Um, I know back when I first got started, I think I've mentioned this before, uh, we used to do a lot of things with uh, putting VFDs on pumps and fans and other things. And a lot of times they would be paid for uh, with a rebate. 
So in any case, um, right-size industrial assets, that's always important. Um, bring connectivity to physical assets. So, you know, that's all part of the uh, connectivity, digitization, you know, getting everything connected. Um, we go to high-efficiency motors, yeah. So don't replace, if you can, if it's possible, if you have old motors that die, replace them with newer, more efficient motors. Um, use a VF, VFDs or VSDs, variable speed drives. Uh, you know, we just talked about that. Um, now this one I don't agree with, you know, and you guys may, may, may disagree with me on this one, but they have here for number six, electrify industrial vehicle fleets. Now they're showing a box van, okay? So I totally agree that, you know, if you, if you want to put in AMRs, AGVs, that's always great, right? Um, in the right applications. And with products like uh, the one from Kapow, they can run 24-7 without even needing lithium batteries. You put a super cap in there and they just run all the time. They never have to recharge, which I think is great, right? Because we all know the problems with charging and downtime and, you know, it takes a long time for these lithium batteries to charge and then lithium, you know, enough said there. But um, if you're going to have a fleet of box fans on the highway, now is, the, I don't wouldn't say now is the time. My daughter is, uh, is, uh, does a lot with recycling and hauling recyclables. And uh, there's just no way she could use an electric vehicle. They just don't have the hauling capability. They don't have the range. It would be probably put her company out of business if she tried to move to an electric vehicle. So I disagree with that one. Uh, again, they're showing a box truck here. So it's, you know, I'm just kind of reading the tea leaves is what they're trying to recommend. Now, at some point in the future, you know, maybe maybe the cars will have super caps in them and they'll charge it within 30 seconds. Who knows? But uh, in any case, today we're not there yet. Uh, next is maintain efficient heat exchanges. Number eight is switch to heat pumps. We, I think we all know the benefits of heat pumps. We've actually had some stories on heat pumps in, uh, previously. Deploy smart building management systems and um, makes a lot of sense. And then move data to the cloud. This one I also have to disagree with. Um, just because you move data to the cloud doesn't, doesn't mean, um, and where's that data center, right? If that data center is a, in some country that uses dirty power, like we have the cleanest power, like our, our dirty power is the cleanest dirty power in the world, right? If you're moving this, like I always tell all these, these, these people, like they buy everything from these, these, from overseas where they, where their power is so dirty and they think they're being green. It's like, you're not be, you're the opposite of green. Don't buy products made with dirty power, right? Buy products made in, in the USA. But in any case, um, moving data to the cloud, I don't know where they get that. Now, um, we do have a talkback link. So if you're disagreeing, if you're like, Sean, what are you saying? I totally disagree with you. You can send in your thoughts uh, with the talkback link. Uh, from there, we go over to Yaskawa. They have an article here about um, sh uh, shedding light on the path to dock warehouses and I thought it was a really good article. I, I'm, I like the, the stories more where they talk about, you know, everybody gets to go home at five o'clock and the systems keep running. You know, you have a cobot, you know, unloading and loading products into the machines and they can run all night. And then in the morning, people can come back in. They can see all the scheduled tasks. They can do the final uh, inspections and boxing and whatnot. Um, so I, I would prefer a, a, a warehouse that still had some people there. I mean, I agree with ISA. People are important to automation. Automation does not replace, uh, uh, should not, and does not replace uh, people. But I still thought this article was pretty good. I thought they did a good job explaining some of the challenges to automating warehouses. And that was from Yaskawa. From there, we go over to inductive automation. Now, they have a new article here about their Mitsubishi driver. And in this article, they talk about how they have grown 
they were integrators from like, I think it was like 100 to 2000 over the last 10 years. And a lot of those integrators are, are overseas and they use Mitsubishi, right? Mitsubishi is a, a major player in the world when it comes to PLCs. So um, they go through and talk about the driver, the different things they've added to it, some of the things they want to do with it, and some of the advantages of their driver versus other people's drivers and so on. So I thought it was a very interesting article. We, we have a couple of Mitsubishi products that were sampled to us a few years ago, and I would love to get back to playing with them. But um, in any case, from there, we'll go over to an article from DigiKey. And this talks about revolutionizing, revolutionizing building automation with 10Base T1L. And so single pair Ethernet, all right? And so the, even though this is about building automation, I enjoyed this article. It's really a good primer on single pair Ethernet or 10Base T1L. And um, I really enjoyed it. And I think you will too, if you're following single pair Ethernet and you want to know more about it, or if you have somebody on your staff, I'll try to remember to give this a EDU tag because I thought it was very educational. Um, and a, just an excellent article. And, you know, they do go into some building management stuff, but, you know, a lot of building management is scheduling things and heating and cooling. And we do that in a lot of processes, you know, maybe not making nails and screws, but in a lot of processes, we, we have to heat and cool, right? And schedule things to turn on and off. So, um, so I thought they did an excellent job. And, and, you know, sometimes the controls engineers do have to get involved with uh, building management because it's a big production plant. There's really no offices to speak of. And, they're uh, controlling the climate for the for the uh, manufacturing. But in any case, and then they get into some uh, products that they sell that can actually talk uh, 10Base T1L. So uh, I thought it was pretty interesting, pretty interesting article. From there, we go over to Pando, and they had an article about sing single-pair Ethernet as well. And this is really kind of aligned for vendors, but of course, we as, you know, the community could also uh, watch what happens there and, and get the reports of what goes on. But in any case, this talks about single-pair Ethernet. Test your products at SPE PlugFest, okay? So that is coming up first quarter next year, I believe. And um, they're looking for vendors to send in their SPE devices for them to be tested. And they not only test them for interoperability with other products that meet the standard, but also, you know, if there's any, ha any uh, holes in the defense or, um, you know, implementation that people could take advantage of. So in any case, um, this will be... 10Base T1L. They also talk about 10Base T1S, but they're not going to be uh, looking at those products here at this event. So in any case, uh, you can um, get in touch with them. You can, uh, they have links here on how to find out more information about it, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes of that in the first quarter. From there, we go over to our featured guide of today. We're featuring the our S7 1500 guide. So if you don't know, at theautomationblog.com, we have over 1,600 videos and articles. And uh, this summer, I spent a week organizing them all into, um, I think, 16 different guides. And so we're featuring the S7-1500 guide today. And the, uh, the uh, item from that guide we're featuring is where I did the first-time wiring and programming of an S7-1500 compact uh, PLC. And uh, this video has been very popular, over 400,000 views just on a single platform. Um, and of course, we send it out to multiple platforms. So if you want to get a taste for what it's like for somebody who's spent 33 years programming Alan Bradley to, uh, to tackle a, um, an S7-1500, you can check out this video here. Again, um, right over at theautomationblog.com. So for anybody who's listening, this is actually The Automation Show, episode 45. Okay, from there we go over to Yokogawa. This is a 
a case study or application note talking about how Yokogawa helped a uh, Poland's largest waste to energy plant implement um, a high performance combustion control solution. Now, I know most of us don't get involved in combustion control, but I still thought this was a very interesting article, so I included it in today's news and links. With that, we go over to a new white paper from Cognix, and the white paper is entitled The Future for Machine Vision Looks Bright and Clear. <laughs> so a little play on words there. But in any case, um, they have like a little lead up to it here, a little mini article, and then they have the white paper here. I did not read the white paper just because of time this morning. But uh, in any case, I did read the mini article. I, I have to agree with them. They get some really good stats in here too. But, um, you know, what's happening with the advancement of algorithms, right? Machine learning, AI algorithms um, really is helping these small products just to become better and better and better. Instead of just having a dumb self-teach, they are really getting great at being able to learn and control and do things um, easily and the simplifying the user interface. And I'll give you a couple of examples. We had IFM on recently, Podcast 160, talking about their 2D vision cameras. And these look like, matter of fact, they sent me one here. These look like, um, these look so simple to, and easy to program. And compared to Vision from 1990, you know, with the CVIMs, if anybody remember that stuff, um, yeah, huge difference. So much easier, so much more intuitive. And then we also had Balufon about their BVS sensor. Okay, this is a next-gen code reader. And again, the ability to have those algorithms in there to, um, to just make, uh, you know, reading, you know, even labels that are damaged um, easier and, and, you know, setting up the applications easier, just pretty amazing. So that is uh, Podcast 155. That's the Baloof BVS sensor. This is a code reader. And then uh, the IFM one was Podcast 160. So if you're listening, you'll have those two episodes. Uh, and I made a mistake. So <laughs> when I was setting up the Harmony HMI uh, and IPC podcast to go out this, this afternoon at 3, I accidentally, instead of choosing 1500, I put in 3 o'clock. So it came out at 3 o'clock this morning. So you can grab it early. I usually don't release it in the morning because we have the morning show in the morning. So it's kind of like two videos at once, you know. I like to spread them out. But in any case, uh, it's up. I'm, I was like, oh, I, I made a mistake, so I'm going to leave it up. So uh, people who are listening to the podcast on uh, podcasting service will see it early. And um, we did drop out of Pandora, and we, we I think we're completely off Deezer now because they weren't updating our shows anymore. So we're like, well, if you can't fix that, we will just stay with Apple, Google, Spotify, and Amazon Music and all the other big ones we're on. So in any case, uh, long story short, this I thought was a very interesting, I think it's 30, 35 minutes. I thought this was a very interesting podcast. I learned all about their HMI line. I thought it was very interesting. And uh, if you want to know what uh, Schneider's doing for their Harmony, HMIs, and IPCs, check out Podcast 176. It is now up. And uh, from there, we go to the video of the day. And I found this video over at uh, Emerson's website. It's their Rosemount uh, 1208 Level 1 Flow Transmitter. It's an unboxing video. And from there, we go over to uh, Downloads. And it looks like there is a new, over on Siemens' website, a new PCS7 library update. So if you're using PCS7, you may want to grab that. As far as, uh, you know, literature, we have a new machine vision selection guide from Umron. You see, they got a lot of machine vision. Look at all that stuff. And then uh, over at uh, Siemens, we have a new uh, operating manual for Cinematics G220, 700-page manual. This is a beefy guy. Lots of information in that, that guy. 
And from there, we also have a data sheet on fissures, uh, sliding stem control valves. And from there, we go over to the uh, science and technology section. And I found this article at IEEE Spectrum. And it talks about how the top AI shops fail the transparency test, okay? So the highest score out of 100 was 54. <laughs> so they're not doing so good. And you may be saying, Sean, why does this matter, right? Well, I like to, I like to quote a famous person who once said, trust but verify. You know, in our plants, we talk zero trust with cybersecurity. But when we talk about companies, we'll be more polite. We'll say trust but verify. And here's the thing. Um, you may not be aware of this. I, I don't know why I follow this, but it just, it, it just intrigues me. Um, in 2022, big tech, big tech companies paid over $3 billion in fines. And what are these fines for? The fines are for not doing their job. So sometimes they give data they're not supposed to give to people they're not supposed to give it to. Now, I'm not talking about cybersecurity cracks. That they also get fined when, when they, have, they don't have the right cybersecurity in place. But sometimes they just share data they're not supposed to share, that they're, it's illegal for them to share. Sometimes they put cookies on our systems that they're not allowed to, that they don't ask us to. Sometimes they rig their own marketplaces to give their own companies a benefit. Really, I'm not making this up. You can, I'll put links to these articles. They rig their marketplaces. I'm talking multiple big tech companies here to give their own companies an inside edge. Look, if they disclose that, how many people do you think are going to join a marketplace that's not fair, that's rigged against them, where they can't be on a level playing field with the owner of the marketplace, right? Nobody. They're, they're markets, so they won't disclose they're doing this, right? Because they know it would kill that business, that marketplace, but yet they do it anyways. And um, we all know, we all know, it's been proven ad inf infinitum that these, these search engines and these uh, supposedly fact sites lie all the time. They use their corporate bias to provide us search results that aren't honest. And But there's, you know, it's, it, it reminds me of the cigarette company. He's going around telling us that cigarettes were healthy for us. Now, that's a little bit before my time. But in any case, um, that was a bold-faced lie. They were lying to us. And now cigarettes have a big, ugly label on them saying, hey, these are not healthy for you, right? I think we all know they're not healthy for us. But in any case... Um, I think it's time that we as citizens say trust but verify. And we have to put big ugly stickers on these websites that continually spin what they're telling us to, to or lie to us, just outright lie to us, saying that, hey, this site does not give you the unfettered truth. It, they spin everything, they tweak things, they reorder search results to meet their own corporate you know, philosophies, which is, again, all proven, okay? And, uh, and, and why do we need to do this? Because it's getting worse. So in 2022, it was 3 billion, right? In 2023, we're on pace to do 4 billion worth of, worth of fines for these big tech companies for lying to us, for tracking us without our permission, for sharing our data without our permission. And guess what? To them, it's a rounding error. Look at how much cash these guys have on hand. Um, this list uh, from all the big tech companies, or, or five of the big tech companies, if you're listening, anywhere from 55 billion to $120 billion cash on hand. They, they, these, this is a rounding error for them. If they can rig their own market price or lie to get something they want to change, um, to them it's chump change, right? This is like a rounding error on their budget. So that's why it's important, in my opinion, that AI companies be honest with us on how they're providing information. If they have a political bias or a monetary bias or some bias that they're providing information and there's a bias in there, 
they should tell us. We, you know, this is trust but verify. Tell us what your motivations are. Truth and advertising, you know, trust but verify. I think those are important things. But if you disagree with me on anything I just said, because I know those were some pretty charged statements I made, right? Use the talkback link and tell me what I'm wrong about. You know, there's 8 billion of us. So there's 8 billion different opinions out there. And I know mine is just mine. It's not anybody else's. So feel free to use the talkback link at uh, theautomationblog.com or automate.news and let me know what you think. And I'll tell you what I think. I want. I think it was great that we had a number of new people follow us over at automation.locals.com overnight. I want to thank you guys all for following us. Again, this is our community where for the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can ask me anything. If I know the answer, I'll definitely share it to you. And uh, this is my way to get rid of long and, and, and cryptic emails and, you know, that back and forth, back and forth. I had one guy say, oh, he posted it on the blog. He's like, hey, I get this error. <laughs> I'm like, well, what are you using? Like, are you using version one? Are you using version 20? Are you using a control logics, a compact? What? what? Anyways, um, much better to do that here because we can do everything and have a nice thread and then other people can read it and chime in as well. And from there, I do want to thank our sponsor. If you see anybody from Siemens, please thank them for sponsoring the Automation Morning Show. We're usually not this opinionated, but in any case, those stories just kind of led right into that conversation. So I hope you guys enjoyed it and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these things. And also want to thank everybody who picked up uh, some of my eBooks over the weekend. Really appreciate it. Every penny goes back into the into the site and the show, just like our video collections, just like our uh, coffee cups and T-shirts. And with that, if you're new to watching the show, um, just want to remind you every single link for all 130 plus shows you'll find at automate.news. No www, no .com, just automate.news. And with that, that's the end of today's show. We ran a little late here, 8.02. I uh, hope you have an awesome day. Remember to stay courageous and stay fearless. And until next time, my friends, peace.